This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. For cultivating progress across the South, for working to unconditionally improve the lives of all, and for the bold underwriting of every gravy podcast, SFA thanks our visionary Louisville, Kentucky friends, Pam and Brooke Smith. Gravy first shared the story of Mahalia Jackson's glory fried chicken back in 2019. Then we were excited to tell this story as a business story. Mrs. Jackson was way before her time in using her status as a celebrity gospel singer to sell something. Think Patti LaBelle's sweet potato pie or Paul Newman's salad dressing. And Mahalia Jackson's story is that, but it's also not. Because at its heart, Mahalia Jackson's fried chicken was imagined as a bold economic initiative to connect the Black craft of fried chicken and the music of the Black church to jobs and Black identity. Mahalia Jackson was much more than just a famous person with a business plan. A member of Dr. Martin Luther King's inner circle, she sang, I've been buked and I've been scorned before he stepped to the podium during the March on Washington. And some say it was at her urging that Dr. King departed from his written remarks to share his dream. During her storied life, Mahalia Jackson served up all of this and more. I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm Sarah Camp Milam. We're your hosts for Gravy. 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 A production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, Gravy tells the stories of the changing American South. Betsy Shepard has the story of Mahalia Jackson, singer, civil rights icon, and fried chicken impresario. Mahalia holds rank with Elvis and Madonna as someone so famous, she needs no last name. Crowned the queen of gospel, Mahalia took the sound of the black church to new heights. In 1950, she graced the stage at Carnegie Hall as the venue's first ever gospel singer. She put out 12 gold albums, including Move On Up a Little Higher, which sold over 8 million copies, a record number for the genre. And she packed concert halls across Europe and created international consumer markets for gospel music. But more than anything else she did to elevate gospel, Mahalia Jackson used the sound of the Black church as a reckoning for all the ways American democracy failed to live up to its promises.
1963, Mahalia Jackson stood in front of the Lincoln Memorial before a quarter of a million people at the March on Washington. Dressed in a brocade suit and a plumed hat, she rallied the crowd with her song, I've Been Buked and I've Been Scorned, a traditional African-American spiritual that she turned into a battle cry for equal voting rights and job opportunities. Each note spoke to all she endured as a Black woman from the segregated South. And each note resonated with hope. This type of work that I do, it is not merely something for entertainment. It is an uplift. It is a reviving for humanity. When man's spirit is low. That's Mahalia Jackson from a 1966 interview telling why she'd turned down jazz and blues record contracts. Music wasn't just her profession, she explained. It was a spiritual calling. She refused to sing anything but religious songs. And she canceled shows and recording dates if she wasn't able to sing them with full conviction. Though no amount of money could convince her to venture outside of gospel, Mahalia had no qualms about going into the restaurant business. In 1968, the singer launched Mahalia Jackson's Fried Chicken, a franchise that grew to include 135 locations. In much the same way that Kentucky Fried Chicken used Colonel Sanders as its corporate mascot, Mahalia's smiling image was plastered across store signs, menus, and buckets of fried chicken. Why did the voice of the civil rights movement choose to become the face of a fast food chain? Alice Randall, a New York Times bestselling author and Mahalia fan, says the Queen of Gospel's chicken operation was rooted in the song she performed at the March on Washington. I've been buked and I've been scorned. That's probably the critically important song for understanding the experience of Black domestic workers and Black cooks. Her voice captures the sense that we can get past these things. And some of what we have to get past is a traumatized relationship to food. She wanted to create a positive experience for workers. Mahalia knew firsthand the indignities of low-paying kitchen work. In New Orleans, where she grew up from 1911 to 1927, there were few jobs for African-Americans outside of cleaning and food service. The only professional person that I know of at the time was school teachers, but most of the Negroes would be maids or cooks. And uh, you would see many children coming down the street with these baskets of iron clothes, taking them back to the white people that live on the, the better class section of the city. And many of them had to stay out of school to help their family to do this type of work. Mahalia was one of those children. After her mother died, she was sent at age five to live with an aunt who made her earn her keep. She cooked and cleaned for a white family before and after school and dropped out in eighth grade to take a second job as a laundress. Though Mahalia had an especially difficult childhood, few of her peers got an education beyond hers. There wasn't even a high school available to African-Americans in New Orleans until 1917. In the Jim Crow South, where African-Americans were excluded from most public institutions, the church served as the social, political, and spiritual center of Black community life. Mahalia spent her one day off at Mount Moriah Baptist Church, singing in the choir and socializing at Sunday dinners. Let the church roll on. Let the church roll on. Let the church roll on. 
It was here that she got the informal training that enabled her to sing her way out of poverty. And it was here that she got the inspiration for the restaurant she would open some four decades later. In white church-like buildings, Mahalia's chicken served up gospel music and gospel bird. Fried chicken got the name gospel bird in the early 1920s because what a lot of churches did is they would uh, typically have some kind of fried chicken meal after service. This is Adrian Miller. I am the author of the James Beard award-winning book, Soul Food, The Surprising Story of an American Cuisine, One Plate at a Time. According to Miller, chicken's role in African-American spiritualism dates back to pre-colonial West Africa, where the bird was a mark of wealth and was used by some groups as an offering during religious ceremonies. Some of that meaning carried over during the forced migration of West Africans to America, where enslaved cooks developed Sunday meals around poultry. Chickens were a real important part of the plantation economy because it was one of the few examples where enslaved people were given some autonomy in terms of the food that they were allowed to raise. Chickens were fairly easy to keep, and chickens lay eggs. And depending on um, how liberal the master was at the time, if they allowed their enslaved people to actually harvest eggs and sell them, it was a way for people to make money. And in some cases, people bought things that improved the material culture of where they were on the plantation. But there's some instances where people actually bought their own freedom. While those instances were rare, it cemented the bird as a symbol of economic empowerment. Another area in which enslaved people were given a small degree of serenity was Sunday worship, while the master usually appointed the preacher and restricted sermons to themes of Christian servitude. Congregants developed a coded language and subversive songs to freely communicate with one another and sometimes plan their escape. Well, it may be the last time we all sing together. Maybe the last time I don't know. It may be the last time. Mahalia's grandfather and her grandparents were born into slavery, and she heard stories about the hardships they endured from her uncle Porter. He cautioned that little had changed in the post Civil War era, especially in the South where African-American laborers could barely survive off their earnings and were barred from sitting at the tables that served food made by their own hands. Poverty was like another form of slavery, and it surrounded Mahalia. She saved her money, and in 1927, at age 16, bought a train ticket north. The, the first impression ever made on me when I got off the train in Chicago was that the Negroes lived in such beautiful, large homes. I saw uh, Negro uh, lawyers, where I didn't see Negro lawyers in the South, Mm -hmm. and there were many opportunities for Negroes. Many transplants couldn't afford apartments with kitchens, so restaurants specializing in Southern food cropped up all over Black urban centers. And so did churches, and sometimes hybrids of the two. There was one guy named Father Divine, And he really just evangelized and cultivated a following of hundreds of thousands of people through his fried chicken. So he would uh, create these spaces, he called them heavens. And one of the things that he really specialized was what he called glorified chicken. There is a brighter day ahead. 
same entrepreneurial spirit as Father Divine, Mahalia started a number of businesses catering to needs she saw in her neighborhood. She launched a makeup line for African-American women and opened a floral shop, which took off when she began offering a funeral package in which she supplied the flowers and the music for the service. It was at one of these funerals that a talent scout from Decca Records heard Mahalia sing and offered her a contract. She recorded and toured the church circuit for over a decade before she landed a hit for Apollo Records with Move On Up A Little Higher, a song that became an anthem for Black Upward Mobility, which she achieved with earnings from the song. She got her own radio show and television program. She sang at Carnegie Hall and was appointed the official soloist of the National Baptist Convention, where she met Martin Luther King Jr. in 1956. He invited her to join him at various civil rights events including the Montgomery bus boycott and the March on Washington. Despite becoming a world-famous singer and achieving success beyond anything she could have imagined as a child, Mahalia knew what her life would have been like if singing hadn't provided her ticket out of the kitchens and washrooms where it started. And she carried that pain with her. I spoke so much about school. One would think that I was highly educated. No. Was very unfortunate not to be educated the way that I had always desired to. As a child, uh, my greatest ambition was to be a school teacher, and uh, I never have reached that goal. She channeled her childhood dream of becoming a teacher into the Mahalia Jackson Foundation, which provided scholarships to students in need. And later, she opened Mahaley's Chicken, which she envisioned as a business school as much as a restaurant. Riffing off of Father Divine, her signature dish was glorified chicken, a meal that offered a small taste of the glory land. On my way When we come back, Betsy Shepard tells us how Mahalia's chicken took flight. But first, hi, it's Melissa. And if you're looking for another great podcast from the South, then you have to check out No Small Endeavor, produced by our friends at Great Feeling Studios and PRX. Each episode, award-winning professor and Nashville native Lee C. Camp merges the worlds of philosophy, theology, the arts, and more to ask the question, how can we live a good life while nourishing the soul? Plus, it's the only show I know that features everyone from legendary actor and filmmaker Rob Reiner to Southern activist and author Anthony Ray Hinton. So go ahead. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and tell them Gravy Said Hey. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For over 125 years, Lodge has been crafting quality cookware in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. It started with the iconic Lodge cast iron skillet made for cooking anything, anywhere, and then turned to the seasoned cast iron Dutch oven and camp ovens. Now, Lodge is making history with USA Enamel, the only line of colorful enameled cast iron made in the United States. And like all Lodge cast iron cookware, USA Enamel is designed to last for generations. Visit LodgeCastIron.com to purchase your own USA Enamel Dutch oven. For Lodge's longtime commitment to the Southern Foodways Alliance and this podcast, we thank them. The 1963 March on Washington built political momentum that helped to pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which legally put an end to segregation, employment discrimination, and unequal voting registration requirements. After the march, Mahalia continued her activist work with Martin Luther King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference, through which she met another important collaborator, Benjamin Hooks, a Tennessee judge who would go on to become the executive director of the NAACP. In 1968, Hooks stepped down from the bench to go into business with Gospel's Greatest. Mahalia's Chicken was conceived as an offshoot of Minnie Pearl's Chicken, the restaurant of a white comedian from Hee Haw, in which Hooks had invested. Here again is Alice Randall. This is clearly some culinary redlining, that one of them was being targeted towards a white audience, and one was being targeted towards a black audience. And This was with the hope that this would be even more successful, capitalizing on the images these two women had. Though the twin businesses employed segregated marketing strategies, Mahalia's broke the color line as one of the first Black-owned franchises in the South. And Mahalia's business model radically differed from Minnie Pearl's in several ways, like its labor practices. She was trying to use as almost a Montessori-like institution to create positive work experiences. There was paid vacation, there was sick leave, there was leadership training. It was the opposite of being buked and scorned. It was employment that came with being respected and cultivated. Whereas many pearls sold fried chicken, Mahalia's menu sold gospel bird. You see a real celebration of African-American identity when you see the Soul Bowl, the Jubilee picnic spread. She's overturning the idea that soul food is a scraps from the table. She's reminding us of old traditions such as church suppers and picnics and fish fries that are actually woven into the African-American experience. Randall says Mahalia's chicken was a Trojan horse. It seems like this is a very traditional, old-timey thing, but it is anything but. It was Black-owned, in Black neighborhoods. It's a message that is actually quite radical, this idea of Black economic nationalism. So it was a worthy effort. It was an audacious effort. 
But in that moment, it was a failed effort. Mahalia's chicken went bankrupt in 1972, less than four years after the ribbon-cutting ceremony for the first location. The Securities and Exchange Commission investigated one of the financial backers of the company causing stocks to plummet. Another reason it folded was Mahalia's poor health and sudden death that year. But perhaps the biggest reason Mahalia's chicken failed to take flight was that her timing was off. She used a business model that was too ahead of its time, and she entered the fast food market much too late. It was hard for a newcomer to compete with Kentucky Fried Chicken's 3,000 locations, which by the late 60s were increasingly popping up in Black neighborhoods. Mahalia Jackson was providing a recipe for community renewal that failed partially because of how idealistic her enterprise was. Most failed restaurants are not remembered as preciously as Mahalia Jackson's. It has become mythic in memory. For many, especially those in the South, Mahalia's chicken was the Camelot of Black entrepreneurship. It inspired other African-Americans to go into business for themselves, including a cook who created a spinoff of a restaurant. That man's name was E.W. Mayo. Here's a 2006 oral history interview he did with the Southern Foodways Alliance. This restaurant here, this is developed on the uh, good works of Mahalia Jackson. I did not want to see Mahalia Jackson go down. So we have it alive. Mr. Mayo purchased the naming rights and recipes from Mahalia's chicken and then put his own twist and specialties on the menu, including beef tripe chicken livers, gizzards, chicken hash, and his signature apple and peach fried pies. I wanted to taste his rendition of Mahalia's gospel bird. But the phone number listed for the business was out of service. There wasn't any information online about its closing, so I drove to Nashville to find out what became of Mahalia's last holdout. I drove past Fisk University, a historically black college, and pulled up to the address listed for Mayo's, where I found a man tending to some barbecue pits next to a small trailer on a concrete lot. A second man taking orders introduced himself as Jerome. Look, here it is right here. Mayo, Mahala Jackson, fried pad and chicken. The reason why they're still there, because that's historical landmark. They won't take that down. So that's all that's left of it. Of mayo, fried pies, and chicken, yes. But y'all are keeping some food here. Yes, this is Uwe Barbecue now. They had the five best pulled pork sandwich in Nashville. We came in number three. We had $1 leg quarters. Okay. We got shoulder sandwich, got hamburger, rib tip, gizzards, whatever you like. In honor of Mahalia, I ordered barbecue chicken. Jerome didn't know much about mayos, but he introduced me to someone who might. Next door... At a neighborhood museum, I met Lorenzo Washington. I'm the founder of Jefferson Street Sound Museum. Lorenzo told me that Mr. Mayo died in 2010, and a new owner kept the chicken hub going until 2015, when Uwe Barbecue took over. In the same way that Mayo carried the torch for Mahalia, Lorenzo founded his museum to preserve the memories of Jefferson Street, the center of a once-bustling black business district, that was disrupted by the interstate system and ravaged by multiple waves of gentrification. It was a lively 
upscale, upbeat community. There were clubs and flower shops, funeral homes, banks, restaurants all the way down Jefferson Street. You get your good plate of chillings with some cornbread, but you could also come down to Mahalia Jackson and get some fried chicken. While I toured the museum, I noticed a picture of Mahalia on the wall and asked Lorenzo if she had ever performed on Jefferson Street. He said he'd never seen her, but that her presence was definitely felt there. Out of Mahalia came greatness. She was a great artist, and she was an activist. So she was a very important person to our world. According to a 2012 survey by the U.S. Department of Commerce, there are 2.6 million African-American-owned businesses in America, and some 60% of those are owned by women. That's a 1,300% increase over the 200,000 Black-owned businesses that existed at the end of Mahalia's life. Though her own business didn't turn out like she hoped, Mahalia's activism on the stage and at the dinner table helped to expedite some of her prayers. Let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish thy work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hand. Lord, when I've done the best I can, Lord, my crown, God, no, Lord, my crown. Oh, when I've done, Lord, the best I can, I've got my crown. Betsy Shepard reported and produced this episode. She is a Los Angeles-based reporter, producer, and all-around soundhound. Her stories have aired on the BBC, NPR, KCRW, WNYC, and New Orleans Public Radio. She's the winner of a James Beard Award for this episode, Best Audio Reporting, and an Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Feature Reporting. We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music and Jazar for our donor music. We also owe a huge thank you to Clay Jones and Broadcast Studios here in Oxford, Mississippi for recording and mixing gravy. These days, when we pour gravy in your ear, it sounds better than ever. Managing Editor for Gravy and all other SFA media is my co-host, Sarah Kent Milam. Olivia Terenzio is our podcast editor. Fact-checking comes courtesy of Heather Cole, and Mary Beth Lassiter is our publisher. Want to learn more about the changing American South? Visit us at southernfoodways.org. Read oral histories, watch films, or listen to this podcast. While you're there, become a member or make a donation. Your dollars fund our work and help us make more gravy. I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm Sarah Camp Milam. Excited to lap up another episode of Gravy? Tell a friend. Pass the gravy boat. There's plenty to go around. Gravy is proud to be a part of APT Podcast Studios.